always learn something from everybody. Each guest has a different journey, which is why we tell the stories. Because I always feel like there's always something relatable in everybody's journey and how they get to where they get. Welcome to the Veterinary Financial Podcast, where we discuss financial freedom and whole life success. I'm Meredith Jones, an emergency vet in Virginia. And I'm Phil Zeltzman, a board-certified small animal surgeon in Pennsylvania. Phil and I are beyond thrilled to be hosting the second edition of the Veterinary Financial Summit virtually on September 18th and 19th. We will have interactive sessions and workshops on everything personal finance and practice finance. Go to vetfinancialsummit.com summit to learn more and sign up. Our guest today is Jamie O'Kane. She is the owner and operator of Abundant Beans Tax and Accounting, and she focuses on providing advanced tax planning strategies, growth consulting, and accounting services for veterinary and dental practices across the country. She is also the host of the Abundant Beans podcast, where she interviews entrepreneurs all over the world. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Jamie, you're a CPA, but your focus is on tax strategy. What exactly is a tax strategist? So a tax strategist uses all the bits of the tax code to create tax savings and structures to save our clients money to move towards their goals. So we use uh, all of the, I don't really like the word loopholes, but we use all the available options to help our clients reach their goals. So if you want to buy real estate, then we'll help you. If you want to put as much money in retirement as possible, then we have strategies for that. But it's all goal-based tax savings and cash savings to move people forward. So perfect. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you also about goal-based tax planning and exactly what that means and what that is practically. Yeah. So practically, we want our clients to be forward thinking and we want to know where they want to go. So if you have a veterinary practice and you have one or you're just opening one and you have dreams and visions to open a second or you want to buy the real estate it's in, if you want to buy a practice, we're looking at strategies and structures via your entity strategy, things like that to help you get there to help you move towards that. Goal-based planning is based on what the client wants, not just, oh, I wanna save taxes, because if we wanna just save taxes, we don't always have a good reason for that, Um, but it's purpose-based. What are we doing with with that tax savings? How are we improving lifestyles? How are we improving businesses? How are we moving clients forward? How are we impacting them with those dollars? Okay, so that makes sense. So in your work as a tax strategist, Where do you find that business owners and especially veterinary practice owners, where are they most often leaving money on the table? They're most often leaving money on the table via their strategy or their entity strategies. So that's one. Another one is their strategies being incongruous with their goals. So maybe they're, you know, maxing their 401ks or they're, you know, doing massive amounts of profit sharing, but they really want to add real estate. So they're putting dollars and a place they can't access them to reach those goals. So really making sure that, you know, the entity makes sense, that their partnerships make sense, you know, making sure that whatever structures they're in, one of the other things that is missing a lot of the time is proper bookkeeping. We can't really do strategy without bookkeeping. And so making sure that we're looking at the numbers every month, things like that. So 
you know, we also do consulting around numbers every month with some of our clients, mostly our veterinary clients, really looking at those numbers, what our profits look like, you know, how are we generating as much income as possible for our clients so that they can move forward towards their goals, and then dealing with the tax on the back end. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about how it's really, if you're planning a strategy, it's about a lot more than just getting your taxes done once a year. And so what would you say if I just asked you to do my taxes? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason for that is that's just, that's not all you need, right? So most people go to their tax person really now looking for advice, looking for strategy, looking for support. And we can't do that if all we do is talk to you once a year and say, oh, well, that past was great, or "Uh uh-oh, you owe a ton of money, because it was really hard to make changes during tax season. It's better to make the changes in the year before that. There's not a whole lot we can do to really help you in March, when we really should have been looking at stuff in June, July, August, September, and making those moves before year end. So in a perfect world, how often would you recommend colleagues talk to their accountants? At least twice a year. We do tax strategy with all of our clients in the middle of the year. Our clients at least have one or two meetings with us a year, so their tax returns and their tax strategy. We talk to some of our clients on a monthly basis, so we have a monthly recurring where we're going over all of their financials, we're looking at projections, budgets, things like that. So it depends on how often you need, but at least that twice a year, sitting down with a client, especially sitting down with their accountant really in that middle of the year to be like, okay, what is happening this year for us? you know, what what needs to go forward, what's changed, really making sure that there's a relationship there because we can't help our clients if we don't know them and know what they want. And you can't really do that during tax season very effectively. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up being a CPA and how you ended up working with vets specifically. So I actually uh, hopped around in a lot of, uh, to a lot of majors in college. I went to CSU. I know most of your listeners are probably know CSU. It's one of the, the biggest vet schools in the country. Um, hopped around a lot. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I finally ended up in the business school and I took my first accounting class and I went, oh, this is the thing that makes sense. I didn't really, I actually thought I wanted to do audit. Right out of school, I loved the idea of audit you know, taking data and making sure it's correct. It's really kind of the way my brain works. But I ended up in a tax firm. Um, I ended up as a tax manager. And the more we learn about tax and how we can use it and utilize it to impact our clients is the best. I actually didn't know that enrolled agents were a thing. Um, when I did my CPA, the CPA was the only track that I was aware of. I honestly think that, you know, if I had known, I might have gone the EA route. So an EA is a IRS-approved tax professional. They're just as good or better than a lot of CPAs. CPAs can do a myriad of things, so not every CPA you meet actually does tax. (laughs) Many of them don't know anything about tax. Maybe they're financial CPAs, they're trust CPAs, or they work in industry. So it's a broad knowledge base for CPAs generally. So I just ended up in tax. It's just become, you know, how we can best impact our clients. And how about vets? Why why vets? Oh, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, they're always saying, oh, find a niche. You know, who are you going to work with? What are you going to do? And I fought that for so long. A good friend of mine, Brandon Rains, who's been on my podcast a few times, he was like, well, what about veterinarians? And I was like, hmm, veterinarians. I don't know. I'll go look. We, one of the things that's important to us when we were picking our niche was we were looking for 
the clients that we can impact them the most with the tax planning. That was hugely important. We were looking for psychographically entrepreneurs, business owners, and we're also looking for people who who are running businesses, but they they understand that working with other experts is important. You know, having experts outside of their expertise is really important. And they're also wanting to change the game um, in their own in their own industries, and we're watching the industries change. So that's really kind of like roughly what I was looking at. And so I started talking to people that work with veterinarians. And the more I talked to them, the more it just seemed like veterinarians fit all of those things. And honestly, we get along a lot of the time. <laughs> the more I talk to veterinarians, the more like they're y'all are just good people who want to do the best for your patients and their parents, the pet parents. And we had just gone through a whole thing with our dog at the time as well. So it was just like it all kind of fell in to to kind of the same. I have a my mom ran medical billing practices, ran um, surgery practices. She was a practice manager in a lot of medical fields while I was little. So I kind of I would say I kind of grew up in human medicine. I used to I was diagnosing my brother when I was seven with stuff. Um, I've always had a connection with the medical field. So it actually just ends up being a really good fit for me because I also understand a lot of what's going on. I can sit at a table of veterinarians and have them talk about dentals while I'm eating and be totally fine because none of that affects me or grosses me out. I just find the medical field fascinating. It just ends up being, you know, people I relate to, people that need our services, um, and people we can impact positively. With the suicide rates and the issues in the industry, you know, we can help people you know, have more of a lifestyle business than a, you know, 80 hours a week trying to kill themselves mentally, physically, and emotionally. So, Jamie, so you have the coolest name for your business, Abundant Beans, and I, I think of you as a really fun person. So, so tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about how you came up with that name for your company, and, and I guess it was your podcast maybe initially. Yeah, so it was a podcast initially. Um, so initially, the we actually just did a whole rebrand. So you'll find us under both right now. We're still in the process of moving all the brands over. So, you know, when I started the business, it was J-E-O-K and CPA. It was just going to be me. And then I learned how to be a business owner instead of just a technician. So, you know, abundant beans is a few things. Um, I'm also a birth doula. So I initially was like, I'm going to name my business Beans and Babes. <laughs> We're going to have two cards, right? Or two sides to, to the card. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's a liability issue. So I was like, well, we're not going to do that. So beans is always, or bean counter, you know, around my house, we're always laughing that mom counts beans. And I always just say, no, I just put beans in piles. I don't actually counting them. I'm just putting them in piles, you know, the debits and the credit piles. So, you know, there's, there's this whole, you know, money mindset stuff around abundance versus scarcity. And it's something I've worked on a lot as a business owner. And I was just kind of running. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were just kind of like trying to like. I was like, "What about abundant beans? You know, like it's a play on bean counter. It's a play on my love of coffee. Um, and then you know, obvious abundance is kind of a buzzword now. So that's how it came about. And then we just did a firm rebrand to abundant bean stocks and accounting um, to kind of put everything together. So let's talk more about the abundant beans podcast. You've interviewed over a hundred business owners since it started in 2018. And so can you tell us about some of the biggest business lessons you've learned from people you've interviewed? I always learn something from everybody. Each guest has a different journey. 
which is why we tell the stories because I always feel like there's always something relatable in everybody's journey and how they get to where they get. We're doing relatable obstacles too a lot of the time because I think it's important. Um, business owners are they're alone a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so you know some of the biggest lessons I've learned are around outside eyes. You know, we always talk about how outside eyes on your business is so important. And while having a team of advisors or coaches really helps you not, you know, see the forest for the trees a lot of the time because we don't see our own stuff in our business. And it's really solidified that for me. And, you know, most of our guests have like said, oh, well, you know, I had this person who really helped me or I had this person that really helped me or I had this community of people that I worked with. Having those outside eyes on your business, um, some of our guests like to put me in the hot seat and do the outside eyes. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Show me where the holes are. Because we can do that. If we have those people, then we can move forward faster. We can move towards our goals faster. So I think those, some of those, that's some of the biggest lessons. Every time I talk to a marketing person, I'm just more confused about how marketing works. So it always solidifies that it's a little bit of voodoo to me. I think those are the biggest lessons. You know, and I've talked to you know, everything from people who sell franchises to, you know, tiny little businesses. A lot of people, initially it was a lot of people in my network. Some of those are small businesses and will forever be little micro businesses, all the way up to, you know, people who have bought and sold and crashed thousands of businesses. So there's always lessons in, you know, how can we do better, be better business owners. So we've talked about business. How about a few life lessons that you learned from them? Oh, life lessons. Wow. You guys are trying to put me in the way back machine on 120 episodes. Um, I think a lot of it is about priorities and making sure that you're always working in your highest and best in your business. Everybody I've talked to that's been, su- that's been successful in business knows what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And that's a life lesson, period. If you're not good at cleaning your house, you should probably hire the people. But doing, you know, really doing the things that are that are important to you and that move the needle forward and, you know, outsourcing everything else. Yeah, so that makes sense. So outside eyes, so not just thinking that you can do it all, right? Well, or that we can see our own stuff, right? We don't <laughs> see our own stuff. Yeah, I think we've all got some stories about not seeing our own stuff, right? <laughs> right, or somebody's like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, oops. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I have two coaches. I say this all the time. I have two coaches. They both see different things or they see the same things and they keep me accountable. So, <laughs> yeah. And then and then priorities. So so setting priorities and then keeping those priorities straight. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think a lot of it is around, you know, what should I be working on in my business? You know, I know there are a lot of veterinarians here. So what should you be working on on in your business? Should you be answering the phones? Should you be doing payroll? Or should you be, you know, doing surgeries? Or should you be, you know, what moves the needle in the business? And a lot of the time that isn't the things that are really outside of, you know, what you really should be knowing and doing and learning how to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lesson for all of us, right? So most business owners are like, we're just DIYs, right? We're like, we're going to figure out how to do the thing on all the things. And, you know, the ability to say, you know what? That thing is not for me. Uh, like I said, we're moving all of our emails over to a whole new do- domain. I literally started to do this on my own and went, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mess something up royally. 
and I'm going to go to the people that I know are smarter. So I called my friend Clint Latham with Luca Vet and I said, can y'all figure this out for me? And he was like, we got it. And thankfully I did because they've been working with Google for weeks because it won't release one of the domains so we can move it to the new one. I would have no idea how to handle any of this properly and I would have, it would have been a complete and total disaster and hours and hours of my time that just isn't moving my business forward in any way, shape or form. All right, so so working on your business, not in your business, right? And then mm-hmm. focusing mm-hmm. on your priorities, doing the things that you're strong in and getting other people to help you with the things that you are weaker in, even if you could do it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think that's just it. Like most of most business owners were pretty we're pretty able to figure a lot of things out, but we have to check ourselves a lot. I do it myself. I have to check myself to make sure that it's something that's actually moving the business forward or, you know, is really something that's the high, but highest and best use of my time. Maybe we shouldn't be figuring everything out on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the quote related to that is something like, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and we talk about that in medicine sometimes also. Oh, definitely. Let's talk about mistakes, because I'm sure as you've interviewed so many entrepreneurs, you've come across some common mistakes that business owners make. And Mm -hmm. so what are what are some things that have either come up in your business or things that have come up in interviews that business owners should try to avoid wherever you can? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big things is always the kind of the opposite of that is like spending time doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. You know, something that stuff that doesn't move the needle. I think the other, you know, the biggest mistake I see generally is people being cost adverse to bringing other advisors in, bringing in proper experts, focusing too much on the expense and not enough on creating more revenue, especially in those startup phases. Yeah, stuff's going to cost money. But if you do the work up front, generally you're moving faster instead of trying to keep, try to, you know, catch up or keep up or change things. So getting started right is really important. And I think a lot of people are just like, well, I'm a startup and I don't have money and I can't do the thing and I can't pay for the stuff. And it's like, well, can you afford to fix it later? Do you really mm-hmm. want to be doing that? So that's the biggest mistake I really see is, you know, people are not setting up their bookkeeping properly. They're not, you know, hiring their proper lawyers. They're not hiring. They're not hiring the help they need. They're not you know, having us do projections, you know, on our startups, when we're doing projections, they're making decisions off those projections. Oh, okay, you're not going to get paid until I'm not gonna get paid till year three, if I choose this lease with the six exam rooms. Wow. Yeah, maybe let's do three exam rooms instead of six, right? So we can have big dreams, but we need to balance those with our priorities, right? So if you do need to get paid within three years or sooner, Let's make decisions based on those numbers. And I always say projections are just, you know, precision guesstimates. But we can look at numbers and make decisions. And really starting to learn how that works is really important to, you know, understanding what what moves the needle in your business. I think those are always the biggest mistakes. Not taking the time to build those advisors that you need to make sure that things are done correctly. Do you help with this brainstorming? Is that part of you do, even though you're an accountant? Do you do you participate in that? Yeah. Um, so we also do consulting with a lot of our clients and goal planning for lots of reasons. But one of them is I need to know where goals are so we can properly do your tax planning. But the other is talking about outside eyes. One of my strengths is seeing the holes in people's businesses or saying, well, what about this? And what's happening here? 
really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty of what is the current problem or what's maybe the thing you're missing. And it's things that maybe I just missed and realized that I was missing. But we have a startup client that we've had from the beginning. So we did projections. They, you know, picked their lease based on their projections. We're watching this. That hospital just explode in the first year. It's been amazing. They've been blowing our projections out of the water. The main vet, they now have a relief vet in doing surgeries for them because she doesn't want to do those. Like, we're giving her the permission to work at her highest and best. And that, that's so powerful. It's just so amazing to watch these these people that we talk to on a monthly basis and we're looking at numbers, but we're really just trying to get into like, what is going on? How can we help you like assess what's going on? How do we help you fix it? Or, you know, have you raised prices in the last year? You know, like really having these conversations and giving people permission to do the things that maybe they've been thinking about and the way that works for them. Um, And that's part of the reason the podcast works so well is we're giving people permission a lot of the time to make changes in their businesses that they've been thinking about. So just to confirm, you don't only work with with seasoned vets. You also could take on a a startup from the ground up. Yep, yep. Um, Yeah. And honestly, those are kind of some of our favorites because we get to start them. We get to help them start successfully. And yeah, it's scary at the beginning because they're like, oh my gosh, all this money going out. And I'm just like, just hold on. (laughs) You know, just wait. It's going to be important as we move forward. And that's honestly, those are our favorite because now we have in we have eyes on this from the day from day one and we can help them make changes in real time. Yeah, so you can help them move their business forward more successfully and you can help them make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the fun stuff, right? So blowing my projections, my initial projections out of the water is fun for people. Right. And I always say we do these conservatively for a reason. One, so that you're making better decisions dollar-wise than expense-wise. But two, because then you get the satisfaction of killing my projections every month. And we get to like watch your growth in a way that's tangible with dollars. Fun stuff. It is fun. It's so fun. <laughs> so the idea is that the investment pays for itself, right? It does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. So... Out of all the smart people you interviewed, is there any advice you apply to your own firm or practice? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of all of our podcasts, I ask, you know, what is the one thing, you know, business owners should be doing to XYZ today, right? Um, and a lot of the time I'm like, well, I need to be doing that. And I'm going to my team. Okay, so we should do this, that, and the other thing. A lot of the things that we've implemented, you know, we have weekly meetings now. That's not something we were doing before. We've had people doing behavioral profiles on our newest hires. I'm working with a marketing company to, you know, spin up the things that I haven't been doing in my business. So it's always applicable and I'm always learning something. I just did one with a bookkeeping firm and he really talked about staying in their scope and making sure, you know, that they're working with the other advisors and it's all things we try to do as well. But it always, you know, helps to understand, you know, what else is going on out there our other people running their businesses and taking care of their employees and, you know, all of that. So it's hard to ask me for the one thing because it's been like two and a half years of accumulated knowledge. But those are some of the things that we've implemented that have, you know, moved the needle in our business. All right. Tons of pearls. <laughs> and so you talk to a lot of business owners about success. And so what do you mm-hmm. think are the absolute prerequisites to 
be successful you can take it anywhere you want to go successful person Mm -hmm. successful business wherever you want to take that um i think the you know first is understanding what services you provide and making sure those services are something you want to be doing especially in my industry you know we look at people thinking that they need to do everything from like we do sales tax to tax returns to financial advising to whatever but when you do too many things you can't really impact people with one thing right or two things or three things so really narrow narrowing down your services to the ones that are most profitable or the you know fastest and easiest to do or the ones that are the most fun for you i mean you guys will watch me light up about tax planning many many times and a lot of that has to do with what's the impact how are we impacting people and what lights us up on that impact so we really we don't do payroll I refuse to do payroll. I'm not a financial advisor. You better have one of those so that we can all work together on your forward thinking. I'm not a lawyer. I can kind of tell you about tax structures, but I don't really know what's best. And we need to bring in a proper, you know, we need to bring in proper experts. So knowing what you're doing, making sure you're working in your highest and best. And the thing that really is how you individually and uniquely impact businesses and impact your, you know, impact your clients. And that's hard. That's a hard one because we always just kind of like, this is what I do. I do tax returns or whatever. But how are you positively impacting people with that service? And maybe you are. I know tax people who do like do tax returns and that's how they positively impact people. It's not how I, t- I positively impact people. We do tax returns on the back end to make sure all the compliance is done properly with our planning. But that's not the fun stuff for us. And then those outside eyes, making sure you have your team of experts around you. And then a mentor, you know, having other people to to bounce stuff off of, you know, within the industry, just to have, you know, always learning. Like I'm on, I'm constantly in tax forums, like learning how I can impact our clients in different ways, and like talking about planning ideas on new legislation. Four of those in the last year, my friends. But there's ways. There's always ways. At you know as annoying as this is to have changes in the middle of a tax season. I'm like, okay, how can we get people more money? You know, what can we do within this legislation to positively impact our clients? Like if I can, if we're doing that, we're being as proactive as possible. And then that resilience, I know uh, Josh Baseman uh, is here in the Denver area. He's a consultant in the veterinary space. He's one of my favorite people. We talk a lot about resilience, you know, like if the pandemic did anything it, it really, really tested our resilience. So really being not afraid of change and being always open to opportunity and looking for and being ready for whatever opportunities come up. It might seem like, you know, restriction, but there's always opportunity within those restrictions. And so we've seen people have to adapt faster than they probably wanted to in the last year, but their businesses are gonna be better for it on the back end and not being afraid of um, making changes. So Jamie, before we ask our last classic earth shattering question, (laughs) I wanna go back a few steps because you said it really, really quickly. Did you not say that you're a doula? I am, so, well, I was. So I birthed doula. I had doulas for both of my births. One of the things that I wanted more than anything when I actually hopped out on my own um, and started my own business was to also be a birth doula. I fell in love with birth. I fell in love with helping people through their births. And being a birth doula taught me that people make different decisions for different reasons. 
It really taught me that that non-judgmental support that we utilize here in our firm because people make decisions for them based on their own criteria. And that's not every, anything I really understood until I was a birth doula. So yeah, so I birth doulaed for about four or five years until I actually, until I started the podcast, because then I was like, okay, it's too many things. <laughs> it's too many things. And being on call is not easy when I'm trying to also build a practice, run a podcast, do all those things. It was really starting to take a toll on, to take a toll on me physically and mentally. So I quit birth doling about two years ago, but it taught me so much about people, you know, being in that environment with people in a stressful situation, which is like one of the most happy situations as well. It's just so, it was very much changed, you know, my perspective. And it was, it was really, it's really fun. <laughs> How many births are we talking about? Um, I didn't do too many births. I think we did, I probably did, you know, 40 or so in that two to three years. All hospital births. Mm-hmm. All of our clients. And so the other thing being a, du- a doula taught me is who I work with best. And generally it's our type A professionals is who I work with best, is who I support best. Um, hello, my veterinarians. <laughs> wow. <that's- laughs> so true. Um, so true. You know, I ended up with, you know, a lot of our clients were, you know, lawyers, doctors, you know, C-suite execs. You know, we just, we work well together because we understand each other. And there are people who also are just like, I'm an expert, but I also, I need an expert in my birth room or I need an expert in this and I need an expert in that. So that it also solidified kind of psychographically who, you know, we work with and support the best. And it really is those type A professionals, which is also my lovely veterinarians a lot of the time. Okay. So let's wrap it up. Dear type A professional, what is the best advice you have for type A listeners? (laughs) You cannot do everything and nor should you. You know, like Phil said, we as type A's generally feel like, you know, we need to be in control of everything. We need to trust our people and trust our staff, but we also need to trust ourselves to, you know, really just do the things that are highest and best and trust ourselves to pick proper experts. All right. Excellent advice. A lot of good information today, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Gosh, Jamie really provided a lot of great insight during that discussion. Yeah, she did. She did. And and it, it, it these are such great reminders. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're a practice owner or an associate or a veterinary professional. It, it applies to all of us. You know, we can't do it all. We should delegate more. We should stay in our lane. We should do what we enjoy doing as much as humanly possible. Uh, You know, if only we did this, we'd be, all of us would be much happier and much more fulfilled. If you like this podcast, you're going to love the Veterinary Financial Summit. We're going to be talking about everything personal finance and practice finance. Go to vetfinancialsummit.com to learn more. Until next time, take care and continue your path to financial success. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a legal or financial professional before making any investment decisions.